Greetings there, SE land. This is Twig. Anthony Twig Wheeler here with another episode of Twig's SE Reflections podcast. This is an audio archive meant specifically for somatic experiencing students and practitioners, folks that are out there studying the psychobiological literature, the somatic healing arts, psychobiology, traumatology, other helping care professionals that are including that information in their work with clients. My name, Anthony Twig Wheeler, here talking to you about various different topics of concern for somatic practitioners. I'm an enthusiast, an activist, an advocate. Here I am chatting you up here on episode 87. If you become interested in these and want to look into the archives, you can find them all at liberationispossible.org backslash reflections. For today, let's talk about a fact, something that happens a lot. Where in our sessions, we've got to try new things. We've got to introduce ideas and concepts, different ways of attending to our clients. And while we do that, we're going to introduce things that we don't know how they're going to go yet. We don't know if this is going to be safe. We don't know if this is the right idea. And sometimes before we jump all in, we might want to try this out once. That's the topic today. Let's try it once. You know, one of the great benefits of my work has been to be a consultant for a lot of practitioners coming up through this work and trying to find the artfulness and skillfulness, their own voice, in presenting SE to their clients. And one of the questions that I receive most frequently from folks that I'm doing consultation with revolves around them seeing something of interest or wanting to attend to something that they think might be super important, but they're not exactly sure how it's going to go. And so while we're talking, they say, you know, I see this, I see this twitch, or I see a spasm, or I see this repetitive movement, or my client constantly wants to talk to me about the storyline, some pattern or story of what happened back then. And they ask, is it okay for me to do that? And you know, I, I always listen, I pay attention, you know, I'm making sure that There are cautions that are being attended to. You know, you want to be sure that you have enough of a contract to be working in this kind of way together. You want to prove out the ability to stabilize things if it gets a little erratic or, say, less than controlled or in control. You want to know that stability can be regained. And also, you want to see some past experience of successes with easier stuff. But once Once I hear that the practitioner I'm talking with is paying attention to those kinds of concerns, I generally think to myself and often say to them, well, why don't you try it once? See what happens. Work from there. So then, that's what this episode's about. When it is that we try things once and how we pay attention to whether we should continue, whether we should titrate things back or ask for more, or whether we should proceed along a certain line of inquiry or explanation experience or abandon it altogether in favor of something else. You know, this episode reaches back to episode 37 of Twig's Essie Reflections. Oh my goodness, it might be 38. It was the title, It's a Try Kind of Thing. And in that episode, I was saying that as a practitioner, you have to be willing to try things out and not know exactly what you're doing and what's going to happen every single time so that you can grow your library of experience. This episode leans a little bit on that one. Now, in thinking about this episode, I've been remembering back to one of my very first sessions. In fact, 
It was probably my very first official SE session. I was traveling through Arizona and I called a practitioner who had met at the training. Her name was Patty Payne and she was there in Northern Arizona, lives off in New England now, wonderful woman. Well, she met me, we came in. I think it was the first, we did like two or three sessions. I think it was the first meeting, might've been the second one. But anyway, we're sitting there within the first few minutes of one of our first sessions, one of my initial sessions ever, I became very interested in how my legs were kind of shaky. Now I had my toes touching the floor and I had my heels up a little bit and I just kind of felt this wobbliness in my legs and I mentioned it to Pat and she, intelligently enough, noticed the spark of my attention, my interest there and she said, well, would you like to look at that together? And I took that, of course, and said, well, yeah. Yeah, I would. And so we sat there and kind of explored what it was like when I put my heels down, when I lifted my heels up, how the instability in my legs, how the shakiness in my legs changed over time as we did this back and forth a little bit. It was interesting. It turned my attention there. As I remember it, the session didn't stay there long. We didn't linger there. It didn't prove to be super important. It wasn't the thing but it was helpful that Pat noticed my interest in this. I think I mentioned it in passing, inquired whether I would want to look at it together with her, and then we paid attention to it. She was following my interest. She was trying things once, and that had value. I remember the end of that session. don't remember exactly what happened through the rest of it, but I do remember walking out of her office. I'll just say this lovely office she had in her house, walking out of her office and looking at a pine tree and just having this real sense of being able to see so many of the different needles on the pine tree. I was impressed. Well, here's something else I've been thinking about when I've been moving myself toward this episode. If you watch Peter Levine, which I highly encourage you get the chance to do and as just as much as you can. I've said that just as many times as I can. I'll say it again. As much time with the founder of a work that turns you on as possible. That's something a bodywork teacher told me a long time ago. Highly recommend it for you. If this work is turning you on, I'd say get some time with Peter Levine and see what he does. One thing I think you'll notice that he does is that in the back and forth conversation he'll have with people, he'll be hearing or kind of noticing that exact thing that Pat noticed with me was that I'm interested in something or something sparks his interest and he turns toward it. But I think if if you listen, he does that turn most typically in a pattern of invitation and with the word experiment. He says things like, well, I wonder if you'd be willing to experiment with that with me. Or I wonder if you'd try a wacky little experiment. Let's see if we could experiment with that a little bit. He rarely, in my experience of paying attention to him, uses the word exercise. He rarely says, let's do an exercise together, oftentimes instead saying, I wonder if we could do a little experiment with that. I think that's important for this notion of let's try it once, where you're going to be experimenting, trying something, looking for the evidence if, if you should try it again. If it leads to something else, if it stays on topic or moves on to some other topic, if one door closes and another one opens, 
you'll be looking when you do these experiments to see, did it go anywhere? Did it progress? Did it give this sense of change? Did people become more interested in it? Or did it not go anywhere? Did it make things worse? Did it feel unproductive? Did it feel like it needs to be modified somehow? Using the frame of an experiment helps to kind of set the conditions up for paying attention and changing based on what you see come out of this. That's what Pat was doing. She wasn't seeing something that was super productive per se. And eventually, like I say, we kind of figured out that we should be somewhere else because I remember we didn't focus on my legs for very long. But yet she did notice that it was interesting. And by turning her attention and inviting that, that response to my spark of interest, she gave me the opportunity to try it once and then for us to reiterate or move on from there. Let's try it once. So that's the stance. It's a kind of curious, experimental, almost scientific kind of inquiry. This is interesting. This seems something of value. I think this, is the, as the practitioner, I think this is something we should do. Well, maybe this is something for us to follow and approach and see, does it make things better? Does it make things worse? Does it make things more confused? Does it clarify things? Does it help to set the stage for something else? Let's experiment and try it once, see what happens next. Whether you say those words aloud or not, whether you keep it in your mind and think, I'm going to try this once and see what happens, whether you make it a really strict contract, hey, let's try this once together and see what happens, and we'll name whether we want to continue. Whether you do that or not, I do kind of come in here, you'll hear me say it over and over again, when you're introducing new things to people, Try it once, see what happens, take back the feedback, adjust accordingly. So then here's some thoughts on what it is you're looking for, right? You try to make this somewhat defined on what this is. And not just have an amorphous whatever happens here. When you're introducing something, when you're doing something that you're testing, do you want to improve upon this? Do you want to do more of this? Do you want to let this go? You want to have a certain definition of what this is could be just that you're going to make a little statement, could be that you're going to explore a full movement, could be that you're going to try to help them notice something that you've noticed, like maybe relaxing into the chair and you're going to try and call their attention to it. I'm going to try this once. I'm going to see if they can notice themselves relaxing into the chair, get the feedback, respond accordingly. You might even sometimes suggest full-on experimentations, the VU sound, all of those kinds of things. We could look at a list of those a little bit later. But keeping up with, it's something that you're trying to set up to do itself to end where you can check in on how that went. Something that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Something that either with them paying attention to it or you just trying something and seeing what the impact is, you're trying to see, does this go more in the direction we want to go? Or does this maybe not feed that so much and I'll adjust away from it? Which is to say, sometimes they know you're experimenting, sometimes your clients don't. Now when they know, you, you have a bit of a setup to do, and that's one place to use the invitational language of an experiment and something to say like, 
oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do it just so much, and then we're going to let it go, and we're going to just check in and see what happens afterwards. So it has this beginning, middle, and end pattern to it. Now, when they don't know, what could those things be? Well, it could be like you're changing your pace. You're going to see if you can get us to talk slower by you talking a little bit slower and seeing if that can influence them. Or you're changing your feedback. You're saying more about what you notice about their experience or less about what you notice about their experience. Or you maybe mirror more or less. You know, their their arms are moving as they're talking, their shoulders are lifting, and maybe you decide you're going to mirror a little bit of that, give a little reflection of it. And you kind of watch as you do it. You try it once. Do they notice that you do that? Does it impact them? Does it help them become more spontaneous the more you're able to give a kind of copy or compliment process where they do something and your body responds to it? You know, you maybe even practice with looking away longer or more or less. You're going to try this once. Somebody who you've been really fixated and looking straight into their eyes the whole time, maybe you're going to try it once to back off your gaze of attention a little bit and see if you can't relax the scene. Well, what do you find? They get a little bit more grabby, a little bit more needy for your attention. They get a little bit less spontaneous. Maybe you're going to look longer again. You're going to try these changes one at a time. At least that's the way I think of this. You might even name something as positive sometimes. I'm going to try and name, uh, that sounds positive. Some clients not going to accept that very well. Some clients it's going to go right in. You're going to have to test, does this work? That's a, I'm going to try this once, see what happens with it, respond accordingly. So if you're in this, let's try it once kind of frame of thinking as you're moving through your session, which I think you'll see, then has lots of different things that you're trying once. What you're saying, how much you're saying, your pace, your time, your questions, your responses, all of these, you might be trying them once to see what their impact on. They can sometimes know. And sometimes you can know without them yet knowing, or maybe even never knowing, that you're trying something to see how it's going to land, how it's going to impact things. And of course, the biggest thing of what you're after is the results. Did it work? For me, the biggest markers of success are things like, did they become more spontaneous? Which actually, I guess, harkens all the way back to the first podcast episode in Twig's Essay Reflections way back episode number one, the importance of spontaneity. If you do something, if you introduce something, if you ask for something, if you try something once, does your client become more spontaneous when you offer that or less? On the more spontaneous, that's definitely the side of, ooh, that's positive. On the less spontaneous, well, it's definitely something to be thinking about. This might not be such a great thing to keep following up unless you have really good reason to follow up. Well, other factors of success, did they become more interested, more participatory? Did something happen? Did something change? You know, did it feel like that was valuable? Did energy move? Did you see coupling dynamics shift? Did you see their participation or their soma, their physicality become more involved? Did we advance the session somehow? Every time you try something, you could just be reading yourself against those kinds of questions. Did this feel productive? On the biggest markers of non-productive or problems and such, or things like there's less spontaneity or they become less participatory, 
There could even be like less engagement or more avoidant. You could even, and this would be the worst part of it, fall into the 45-minute pit of repair where you're spending a lot of time fixing the feelings or the attachment or the contact or their ability to stabilize after trying something. Those are all kinds of comments that, ooh, maybe we don't want to try that one again, at least not right now. Then there are follow-up questions, right? Can I modify what I've done? Can we titrate it up or titrate it down? Can we ask for more? Can we ask for less? Or do you have to repair what just happened? Do you have to suck up the mistake or absorb the any kind of conflict, make a repair, a, some kind of, oh man, did I just ask that question? Oh, that didn't go anywhere, did it? You know, sometimes my questions don't go anywhere. Anyway, my apologies. What else were we talking about? You might sometimes actually have to come right in and absorb the mistake after trying something once. Here's maybe the most classic example of an SE practitioner doing something over and over again rather than trying it once and paying attention to the feedback, whether this was successful or not, whether this was productive or not. And I should say, nobody has done this more than I used to do. I know that a lot of people still do this, and I I have to admit that after years and years of really working on it, I'm pretty unlikely to do this very often at all, maybe. But for sure, for sure, I have done this. So I'm right there with you. Don't be embarrassed if you notice yourself in this. And just know, we can change. Isn't that nice to know we can change? So there's the common thing, right? An SEP is talking to a client and they're talking about something. The practitioner finally gets the nerve up and says, hey, can I ask, how do you feel that in your body now? Or something like, oh, you know, as we're talking here now, what do you notice? Or when you tell me about that, what do you feel? What do you feel inside your body? It makes total sense. Those kinds of questions are the star of our show. This is the lexicon of SE. And it works particularly well with people who understand the question and who make the translation and kind of go inside themselves and come back with a response. Something like what happens in the trainings, but doesn't always happen with our clients out in the offices, right? Oftentimes you ask that question, you try that once, and you get stuff back like, uh, I don't know, or, hmm, nothing, or what kind of stupid question is that? You know, and, and that, that's feedback. That's important, important feedback for whether or not you should be asking that question again or whether or not that question needs some kind of adjustment next time you're going to ask it, whether or not you need to maybe rework the language a little bit, say something more like, as we're talking here now, can I ask, is there a tiny little echo of the feeling you had then happening right now as we're talking about that experience? Is there a tiny little tiny little echo or remnant of a feeling that is very similar to how it felt then? You might need to titrate it down and give them an easier thing to hook and attach their attention onto. Maybe you need to grab a reflection somewhere along the storyline that makes an easier return of the response on, on a blue thing, on a positive thing, on a desirous thing. You know, you might say something like, wow, that sounds positively good. As you know, as you tell me about that now, do you get my, uh, do you get any 
any physical sense of how good that felt then? Do you notice any tiny little sense of feeling something like that now? Or maybe if it's on the negative side and you're kind of tracking into the fight or flight response, you know, you might you might drop in and, man, you know, as we're talking about that now, it's like, that's just so screwed up. He's like, guy's like totally crazy, isn't he? You know, as you're saying that, like, I just noticed my body just gets like kind of tense. I don't know what happens for you. I mean, could I ask, like, does your body stay super calm right now or do you get a little tense too? You know, might have to reach more particularly into the storyline and give them a little bit more of something to hold on to if this is something that they're supposed to be paying attention to that's positive or something that they might be looking for that's negative. You might be priming it up in all kinds of different ways to make it easier for them to give you an actual response, a spontaneous response to a question like, what are you noticing now? So there's this kind of follow-up, right? You ask, hey, what do you notice now? You see, does it become more spontaneous or less spontaneous, more productive or less productive? Do they become more participatory or less? Are they more or less interested? When you get that feedback, it tells you, am I going to try that same thing again or am I going to try something else? And of course, I should say, sometimes when you have to adjust that, sometimes it's a matter of building up the signal more before you ask the question in so that there's actually a state-dependent relationship happening inside of the conversation so that their body is actually starting to get some of the the feeling going on before you ask, hey, what do you notice now? Just something to be said there. So it's a kind of basic little formula, right? You try something once, you decide, I'm going to ask them what they feel. You listen to how they respond, you watch how they respond, you do a little feedback reading of that. Did that go in the right direction? Did it not? Do I need to adjust that? Rather than just doing it again and again and again and again, asking a person, what do you feel now? What do you feel now? Oh, how about now? What do you feel now? And getting a very similar response every single time. Rather than going all in with that question, having a little bit more flexibility to read, did this work? helps adjust whether or not you're going to take this in a more momentum-developing direction or not. Another nice thing in SE is all these experiments. You know, I mean, they're kind of like exercises, and you could think of them as exercises, but it's, like I say at the beginning there, pretty important to present them as experiments. You know, there's this whole SE corpus, this whole SE language and skill set out there, and all these experiments like the VU sound or push hands or telling people or helping people to orient, like intentional orientation. There's grounding and centering exercises. What there's, there's listening and recalling resources or squeezing things, like, like having the client squeeze your forearm or squeeze a pillow. There's the conflict-free question, like, can you think of a time in the last 24 hours or so that you felt more like yourself or more like you want to feel things were going a little bit more in the direction that you might hope that they would go in? The conflict-free question. There's the eye work. There's hands on shoulders, you know, like kind of listening for coherence. There's table work. There's just, there's so many more. The list goes on and on and Heck, you know, you know ones that I don't know, and I know ones that you don't know. There's just so many of these various different exercises and interventions. So many of these can be presented as there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. There's a 
this is the thing that we're going to do to make it so that we get some kind of value out of it, I'll say, if you're going to be introducing this to people, why not keep it curious? Why not keep it invitational? Why not make it an experiment so that you have this opportunity to try it once, get the feedback, and know how you should adjust it? All of those exercises have their own purpose, their own timing, their moments, their reasons, their rationales for existing. All of them might be things that you do several times or every time, every single session. They also might be something that you only do once because of the feedback that you get. Because of that sensitivity to things that they might not open the door to some more interest, open the door to more spontaneity or participation. It's important to keep it in mind that as you enter into these experiments, you might only be trying it once. Now, at the beginning, I said that there's this kind of question that comes forward in consultations for me a lot, that things like, you know, can I do this? Can I try that? And that's probably the most inside consideration of this idea of let's try this once. It becomes key when, when you're looking at things that are highly repetitive or durable, you know, you see some kind of pattern that's long-standing or likely to be problematic or charged or highly intensified for people, you know, things like facial or eye twitches or a super stiff neck and a really low range of motion, maybe the bouncy, bouncy leg, you know, you sit with somebody and their leg is just hopping up and down, up and down, up and down. Or you have a client who's wanting to tell the story all the time and you realize, well, it's a really charged event, a really charged story. If we go in there, it's just going to be this really intense kind of feeling state associated with it. And you're trying to avoid that. There's also, you see people that are like spacing out or dissociating and you wonder, should I let that freeze dissociation happen? Should I invite their attention to it? Should we follow in with that or should I constantly try to bring them back, trying to maybe set up the preconditions for successful freeze? This is the thing when it's durable, repetitive, when you see it as a as a potentially big thing and you decide, oh my goodness, am I going to ask their attention into this? Am I going to bring their attention toward this? Am I going to call their attention to it? Well, Maybe, maybe you're going to try it once. But, you know, as I was saying at the beginning, it's important to notice whether or not you as the practitioner are being concerned or attentive to certain things like, can you see this client who's doing this thing over and over again? Can you bring their attention to it and have some evidence that if it goes bad, you can restabilize things? Have you been able to see the ability to stabilize things before this? If it starts to go a little wonky, do you have the kind of confidence inside yourself to ride with it for a moment and make it just that much and then get out of it? If so, I say, go for it. Sure. Why not try it once? If you're paying attention to whether or not this is something that feels compelling to you, feels of interest to your client feels like you have the ability to stabilize if it goes a little funny, feel like nobody is expecting too much from it as far as success, if you have that caution in place, yeah, sure, you might try it once, you might try it for a round, you might try it for a whole session, you'll decide, but please don't just avoid these things over and over again, and at the same time, 
try to manage their expectations, your expectations, so that you don't think, oh, now that we're going to try this, we're going to fix or heal this. Durable, repetitive things that have been going on a long time for people that you see happening in or out of their consciousness over and over again, very unlikely, not impossible. If everything lines up nicely, it's very possible, but not likely for it to just suddenly change all at once. Therefore, you're just trying it out. And I think I have some tips there if you're going to try those kinds of things. One, you try to test them briefly, super briefly. Uh, you know, it could be that it's a full session, but you're, you're trying to make it so that this isn't the thing that we're always going to do. Oh, you have a twitch in your face. Oh, you have this kind of bouncy, bouncy leg. Let's look at it every single session. No, 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 that'll just become intractable and repetitive and you'll just become associated to this repetitive thing that doesn't change. You'll probably want to try this once. Test it out, see what it does, see if you can see any evidence of it being productive that you are paying attention to it before you invest a whole lot more time in it. Another thing, you probably, as I've been saying, want to make the offer toward an experiment, an invitation. Like Pat said, would you like to try it out together? Would you like to look at that together? If you do, be sure to kind of remove the expectations of profundity. You know, it's like, well, let's just try it out and see what comes of it, see what it does, and we'll just kind of get to know it a little bit rather than, ooh, this is the thing that's going to matter and make it such a big deal that we're doing this. You know, it's like you try to manage the expectations and minimize the expectation of profundity so that if it doesn't prove out to be so spectacular, you haven't lost a lot of your credibility by saying that's the most important thing we can do, that's the only thing that has our value, has our attention. Also, you want to keep things more on the curious side, more on the, we're just trying to get to know things. You know, you'll see people, they'll have a movement, maybe their head turns off to the left as they start to feel spontaneous free movement, and they'll say something like, oh, this is like the same thing that happens every time. It's like happened the same time last session, and the session before that. And you might decide that you're going to try to do this once. You're going to try and pay attention to it once. You might even invite them to say something. You might say something like, well, this time as you feel it, let's feel it this time as if it's for the first time and try to notice anything around it, anything about it, anything that you haven't noticed before. Something to try to get that curiosity going in here where when we try this thing once, we're trying to get to know it without trying to presume that we already know what it's to do. Another thing in there is you probably want to do things in rounds, you know, things that have a beginning, a middle, and an end, so you have this opportunity to check in on how it went so that, you know, if notice their shoulder lifting up, you ask them if they'll lift their shoulder and let it down and maybe lift their shoulder again and let it down. And this time just really, let's just do this once. We'll just really lift it up a little slower still and then really feel inside. And this time when we let go, we're just really going to notice what do you become aware of now after you let that go? And like I say, might not be special, might not be profound, you might not even notice anything, but I'm curious after having done that now, what do you become aware of now? You might want to do things in rounds. 
And if it's the storyline where you're going to take on, okay, let's talk about that. Let's go through the story. Let's do the T model. Let's do the time sequence. Let's follow through with what happened then, what happened next, what became of that, what was the next thing you noticed. If you're going to run through the whole story, I'll go ahead and say I'd recommend that you review the formula that I laid out in episode 43, which you might already know or you might already have your other way of attending to it. But if you've been avoiding the storyline, if you've been wary of somebody's activation around the story, and now you're going to say, I'm going to try this once. Let's go ahead and take a session and go through the storyline. Why not go back to episode 43 of Twig's SE Reflections and review the formula where if a person's on the red negative side of things, the trauma vortex side of things, you're more or less supporting and accompanying and listening and pacing. And at the same time, you're asking questions like, well, what happened next? Trying to help move the story forward. Every time you hear something that's a bit more efficacious, a bit more self-protective, a bit more supportive, a bit more blue vortex, positive vortex, healing vortex, counter vortex oriented, you're going to lean more into that. At least that would be my recommendation. In which case you'd be asking questions like, oh, really? You did that? Oh, really? She helped you with that? Oh, really? That's what happened. Oh, that's interesting. Can you tell me more about that? In which case you ask more on the side of things that are on the efficacious or supportive side. You pace along and ask the storyline to continue forward on the more negative side of things. That's something to take along with you if you're going to try this once on a storyline that you've been avoiding. So maybe there's a good place for us to wrap up for today. There are all these kinds of things. You'll see them. That person's got their leg twitching there on the floor. Their knee is bouncing up and down. You see it every single session. You even mentioned it. You said to him one time, oh, it's like your leg bounces up and down. You tried it once. They say, yeah, my wife hates it. Just drives her crazy. Like we're having dinner and my leg's just bouncing. I can't stop it. I try and stop it. It just starts again. You might try it once to see, well, you'd be curious to play with that a little bit with me, do a little experiment. You know, what would you do? I don't know. There's so many different options out there. You could slow it down. You could have them do it more. You could ask when they first remember it starting. You could enter into it in all kinds of different ways. You could, let's try it once. You could bring the attention to it once. The key here, the key that I think I'll try to repeat is that when you try something, try to box it somehow. Try to manage the expectations of it somehow. Try not to make it that now that we're going to turn our attention to this repetitive, repetitive, repetitive thing going over and over again, let's not try to assume that now that we're going to do that, we're going to have the traction necessary, the pendulation necessary, the ability to attend to change necessary, the associations available necessary to help this move towards something more productive that's the goal. That's the idea. But maybe you try something once and you find out that it it just doesn't grab. It doesn't get a hook. It doesn't become interesting. doesn't get their participation. Good thing you invested in it. Good thing you tried it once. Good thing that you managed the expectations and you could just put it aside again and work on getting the self-regulation coming forward in other places, getting the efficacy successful in other places attending to the self-protective responses in other places, trying out other things, getting progress to happen other places before you come back to things that you might have tried once 
and found out that it wasn't super successful. Goes through everything. Whether you're going to mirror more, mirror less. You're going to reflect more on the positive, reflect less. You're going to ask for the internal experience or less. You're going to invite more spaciousness or less. You're going to support more dissociation or less. You're going to go into the storyline or avoid it. All of this, you can try it once. Once you know, hey, I think we can stabilize things if it goes wrong. I think I can absorb the mistake if it doesn't do much. I think we can make this an experiment and curious enough that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and we can become curious about it, try it out, read the feedback of it, decide if we want to do more of it, do more of it by adding more stimulus to it, do more of it by just doing it again, do less of it by calling back the scale or size of that, but doing something very similar. Or, as sometimes happens, we just say, well, okay, I guess that's about how that went. Well, anyway, let's just keep moving along here and we'll just keep learning how we feel and how things go. We'll get better and better at experiencing ourselves and someday we'll check on that again and see if it doesn't want to do something different. For now, thanks for trying that out with me. Sure was fun to try this once. Yes, it was, my friends. Yes, it was. Okay. That's Twig with episode 87. I'm wishing you the best out there. You take good care. Bye-bye now. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And here's a tracking Twig moment for episode 87. This is a little section of my podcast where I offer up little pieces of information about workshops or events that I'm involved in, travels that I'm making, things that are going on. I'll be back in the United States in May and June after having spent April in Bolivia. I'm looking forward to engaging with SE folks again. I'll be on the phone for consultations for those who are interested. You can find out my schedule at liberationispossible.org backslash schedule. And I'll be looking forward to talking with any of you that I'm going to have the chance to do. And all the rest of you, I'm wishing you the best out there. Okay, then. That's that.